thinking about how I have met some strange people in my life. Like, I have met some really strange people in my life. In fact, there was a, a church we used to go to, and there was a guy who would clip his fingernails during church. So, like, yeah, picture this. You're sitting there, and all of a sudden behind you, you hear, click, click. And I always felt really bad for the lady in front of him that had this really poofy hair, because you know she got all the strays stuck in her hair, and she'd go home, and there's, like, oodles of, of fingernail clippings. Disgusting, man. Um, we, we, we had this, this neighbor. I liked the neighbor. I, I really liked the neighbor. I liked the guy. He was just a little different. And so, for example, one, one time, the kids come in, and they've got this, this, uh, this thing in their hand. They're like, yeah, Dad, look, the neighbor gave us this, this deer school instead of put it in our bedroom. And I'm like, um, there's still brain matter on that deer school. Like, did, you know, and then another time the neighbor's like, hey, hey, you kids, come here, I'll pay you a dollar if you wash my truck. And so what he gave them is he gave them toilet paper to wash his truck with. At least it was two-ply, but two-ply works better on your behind than it does an old Chevy pickup, just saying. Um, another weird guy, I, I, I know this guy, and every time you leave, every time you leave, he sings, goodbye, maybe you guys know that, it's just weird guy. And this is the weird guy I wanted to talk about. We met this guy on Craigslist. We were going to sell a car. We're selling a car. And so we, the guy's like, hey, we'll meet you at the grocery store. He's going to look at the car. And I'm like, great. And so we're meeting him. And I'm in salesman mode, right? Like, I want to sell this car. I want to get top price for my car. And so I'm, as soon as I walk out of the car, I'm ready. Like, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to point to the tires. There were new tires. And, I, and so we, we, we get there. And I, and I go out, to, and I'm getting ready to point to the, car, the tires. And the first thing he says to me is, does this car have a radio in it? And I'm like, this is 2012. Yes, most cars have a radio in it. And I'm like, look at the tires. He's like, I don't really care about the tires. So I'm like, okay. So I pop the hood. I'm going to show him all the maintenance we've done on the car. And he, he's looking and he's like, wait, wait. Is that the car radio? Does it get good signal? And I'm like, yeah, that's the antenna. It gets good signal. You get most of the stations. And he's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to make an offer. And I'm like, do you want to test drive it? He goes, oh, oh, yeah, we should probably do that. So we get in the car, we're going on a test drive. The entire time, all he's doing is flipping through the radio stations. Oh, that one works. Oh, that's a good one. That sounds good. That sounds good. The whole time, all he was concerned about was the radio. I stole that guy a $4,000 radio that drove around town. Like, man, I, maybe I should be a salesman or something. I think that most of us in here would say it would be unwise for us to have that kind of, of narrow focus, where, where instead of looking at the whole of the car, we're so focused on that one thing. We're focused on just the radio uh, and how it plays. But isn't that sometimes what we do with people? Isn't that sometimes what we do? Where we, we, we meet somebody, and maybe it was a bad first impression. We meet somebody, there's a bad first impression, and so we've already made the conclusion, you know, I don't really like this person, I don't want to get to know them better. Because that one thing, and we focus on that one thing, and you ever have that scenario where, where you have that with a person, and then eventually you kind of get to know them, and you're like, man, they're a lot better than I thought they were. Maybe that's like your opinion of the preacher. He tells his corny joke, but it gets better, right? Or sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes you meet somebody, 
and you are just mesmerized by, by, by something about them. They're fascinated by them. Maybe, maybe they're, they're like me. They're just beautiful and handsome. And like you can't get past, all, you don't even notice all the bad habits and all the other bad things. You're just mesmerized by this one thing. I mean, it worked for me. I got my wife to marry me. That's how we ended up together. But it would, I mean, we can admit that it's probably not the best thing for us to have such a narrow focus where we, we focus only on one thing instead of missing the whole of a person, the whole of, of a scenario. We started a series last week on, on the Holy Spirit, uh, trying to say, uh, let's get a biblical understanding of, of who the Holy Spirit is, what role the Holy Spirit plays in the life of a Christian, what role the Holy Spirit plays in the life of of the church. And, and again, just a little background on the series. We, we don't want to get into the abstract. We want to focus on the practical understanding of how the Holy Spirit shapes our faith and how it impacts our life. Uh, last week uh, was a really good introduction. We, we focused and wanted to have a clear understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. Because sometimes with the Holy Spirit, we kind of think it's like the force from Star Wars. And if I can just like, like have my good thoughts, I can use the Holy Spirit as a force to do things for me. And we said, no, actually, we looked in John chapter 14. And we actually had Jesus speak into this. And Jesus gave us an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And if you remember, this is what we came up with last week. The Holy Spirit is God himself who has taken up residence in our lives to be with us forever. And when you just begin to think about that, like, like the Holy Spirit is God inside of you. Like that, like that's remarkable. That's, that's mind-boggling. That's life-changing in itself. And today what we want to do is, if we have the understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, today we want to wrestle with what the Holy Spirit does. And here's, here's my caution when we get to this. Typically, if you've been in church a while, you've been around church, around Christianity, typically there's two camps about the Holy Spirit. There's a camp that has this underemphasis of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit is kind of like that weird uncle that you don't want to invite to a holiday because they just make things weird. And so on this camp that underemphasizes the Holy Spirit, you don't quite understand all of what the Holy Spirit does. Typically, that supernatural thing You can't explain it. You can't understand it. You can't grasp it. It makes you nervous. It makes you hesitant. So so there's some of us in this room that our background has been, we have just had this underemphasis of the Holy Spirit, where maybe we have some theological understanding of it, but we don't quite understand how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit as a person. And then on the flip side, you have the other camp of people who it's all about the Holy Spirit. I mean, everything they do, Holy Spirit, Holy, 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 Holy Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit. And these are p- typically people who are going to enjoy the supernatural. They're going to long for the supernatural. We want to see the supernatural. And here's my caution, though. Both of those scenarios, oftentimes the focus becomes on the supernatural aspect of the Holy Spirit. And so we focus and we, we allow ourselves to fall into one of these camps based on this one aspect instead of looking at the whole of who the Holy Spirit is. And so it does a disservice to us to, to limit what the Holy Spirit does based on our fear or on our love of the supernatural. And so... Let me be clear, I believe the Holy Spirit leads us into the supernatural. I believe the Holy Spirit empowers us into ministry, and we're going to see this later in this series. But what I want to do this morning is just focus on the rest of what the Holy Spirit does. 
because we need to have this understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, and we don't want to miss the impact that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives just because there's this one area that we kind of focus in, and it makes us blind to the rest. So today, we're going to look at who the Holy, or what the Holy Spirit does, and let me tell you, there's a lot of things in Scripture we could point to. And again, this is where last week we said we're going to start the foundation for this series on the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. We're going to move today into John 15 and 16. Because rather than getting a man's opinion, like we're going to get the Son of God himself who's going to instruct us into who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. So that's why we chose John 14. We'll be in John 15 and 16 today as well. And uh, again, gives us a, a broad picture of what the Holy Spirit does. And so the first thing that Jesus is going to teach us is that the Holy Spirit, he helps us. He ministers to us. You see this in John chapter 14, verse 16, the first verse we read. It says, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Your version may say helper. Uh, but, but Jesus says he will give you another counselor or helper to be with you forever. Again, this person, this counselor, this helper He's referencing the Holy Spirit himself. Now, when I read this, this is where you get some misunderstanding depending on the Bible version you have. Because different versions translate this word differently. Because there's not really a great word to translate it. Some of our versions will say, uh, uh, some of our versions will say comforter. And I, I, I don't like that idea of comforter because when I think of comforter, I think about that nice warm quilt that your grandma knitted for you. And, and I just, I don't know if that's, the, the, the feeling that Jesus wants us to have. Sometimes your version will say counselor. And, and again, I think of like a marriage counselor or even worse, a camp counselor, right? And you think about that camp counselor, that dude that's hyped up on Mountain Dew, probably with a fanny pack, who's trying too hard to be cool. I don't think that's the image that Jesus is going for either. That, that, that word in the Greek is, is a, we'll geek out for a second, that word is called paraclete. And it comes from two words, para, meaning alongside, and cleat means to speak. And so that the literal word here is that you have this Holy Spirit who speaks alongside of, who, who walks alongside of you, who, who is the Holy Spirit, who God has taken up residence inside of you, and he literally walks alongside you. He speaks to you, he encourages you, he helps you, he heals you, he, he ministers to you. And he's available for your help. This is where the Holy Spirit, and we need to understand this, the Holy Spirit isn't like this thing that sits on a shelf collecting dust. The Holy Spirit is present and active and involved and engaged within our lives when we seek after him. That when we start thinking about life and we start thinking about all the things we have to do in front of us, like God's help is available to you. And the moment we close our eyes and say, Lord, I need you. Because we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We have God inside of us. That his help is available to us. I love this in, in, in Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30, Isaiah writes and says, Whether you turn to the left or the right, there's a voice behind you that says, This is the way. Walk in it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That as we're going through life and as we're trying to figure out where am I supposed to go, what am I supposed to do, that the Holy Spirit begins to guide us and shape us and direct us. And oftentimes the Holy Spirit in that same regard will comfort us. When things get overwhelming, when we go through difficult circumstances, the Holy Spirit is there to wrap his arms around us and remind us we're not alone. Remind us that we are loved. In fact, 
when I begin to think about the people that inspire me. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but begin to think about who are the people that inspire you. I mean, sometimes we look at people and, and, and they, they never have any problems in life. And there's these people that, that they have all their stuff together, or at least they look like they do. That kind of person doesn't inspire me. The person who has a perfect life that never has any problems, like that's not been my reality in life. And so the people that inspire me are the people who live real life, who have difficult circumstances, who sometimes argue with their spouse, who have difficulty at work, who sometimes have kids that do things they shouldn't do. I'm inspired by those kind of people who can live life like that in real world and still not be uh, turned away from their faith who can be resolute in the face of difficult circumstances. Those are the people that I look up to, that I long to be like. You ever met someone like that? Someone who just goes through life, and it doesn't matter what's coming at them. Like, they're just so, they can't be shaken. They're just confident. They just have this assurance that God is with them. I mean, I think about, pick on Dan and Joy Fitzgerald. Dan and Joy Fitzgerald, a couple that have been a part of the church for six, six and a half years. Man, I, I love seeing their, their, just their, their confidence and their faith. It doesn't matter what, what is in front of them. They've had some health issues that they've been dealing with for a while now. And it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. This couple, man, they're just so strong. I mean, like, if I get a cold, like, I'm freaking out. If I get a cold, I'm dying. Things are falling apart. And here's Dan and Joy with with difficult health issues, but man, their confidence is high. Their faith is in God. They can't be shaken. And if you were to ask them and say, man, what, what, what brings that to you? How do you have that kind of faith and that kind of confidence? And they would say, well, it's because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Because we read the word of God. Because we allow the things of God to permeate our life. And the Holy Spirit is present for them to, to come for them each day. And, and to, to, to lead them every day and to guide them and to help their faith be strong. Like, that's what I want in my life. I want to have that kind of faith. That no matter what I'm going through, good or bad, like, I can just be strong. And not following the, 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 the whims of, of the circumstances around me. In fact, drop down a few verses to verse 27. Because here's what Jesus says in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. Now, who's, who, who's Jesus leaving with these disciples? Again, Jesus just told the disciples, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go to a place you can't go right now. You're going to stay on this earth. But don't worry, because I am leaving the Holy Spirit with you. And now Jesus just said, peace I leave with you. Do you kind of see a correlation between the Holy Spirit and peace? Where Jesus is saying, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit who can give you that peace. He says, I'm going to give you a peace not as the world gives you, a different kind of peace. What kind of peace does the world give us? The world gives us promises of peace that can't ever really be kept, right? I mean, the world would say this to you. The world would say, hey, look at the ship. The ship, it's unsinkable. It's unsinkable. This ship, you can cross the Atlantic Ocean, have no anxiety, no fear, because this ship is unsinkable. And you look at the ship and say, well, it doesn't look like there's enough lifeboats. Like, it seems like maybe you're short on lifeboats. And they're like, yeah, we, we are, but did you, did you hear what we said? This ship is unsinkable. 
This is where the world begins to promise things that I can't ever really keep. The world promises, hey, if you just move your family to, to this part of the city, if you just have your kids in these things, then that's a guarantee your kids will turn out just the way you want them to, right? The world promises it, promises that, but I can't ever keep that. This is where the world, and the world standard of peace, it says you are God. You are the God of your own life, and you make whatever happen. You make, you make it happen by working really hard and doing your very best. If you want peace, if you want a good marriage, you just got to work harder at it. You got to work harder and make it happen. You want your kids to turn out right? You got to work harder. You got to do your best and make it happen. You want to have financial peace? You want to have success in, in whatever it happens to be? You just got to work a little bit harder. You work harder, you do your best, and then you can have the peace that the world offers you. Do you know what my problem is? Sometimes my best just isn't good enough. Sometimes, like, I try as hard as I can, and I can't figure it out. There are circumstances around me that I cannot control. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, my peace I'm giving to you. My Holy Spirit I am giving to you. And he helps you in the places that your best is not good enough. That when we're trying to make this marriage thing work and we can't figure it out and, 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 and she just drives me crazy and he just drives me crazy, that we can say, Holy Spirit, would you meet us here? Would you minister to us here? Would you comfort me here? Would you give me wisdom here? That there becomes a peace that God is at work when I can't do something to fix it. There becomes this peace when I've got medical circumstances that I can't figure out. Doctors can't figure out. I've got to endure this. That there becomes this peace because I know that God is with me in the middle of it. That God is walking through and comforting me, and I'm not alone. This is what the peace of the Holy Spirit does. In fact, there are some of you here today. This week has been one of those weeks. And just by walking into this place, you begin to just feel this comfort. You begin to feel just the presence of God. And it's like this one of these things where you can't even quite explain it. You just feel this, this presence of God coming over you. And you're like, man, something's different. This is the presence of the Holy Spirit ministering to us. Comforting us. Available to, to give us guidance. In fact, on this idea of giving us guidance... Sometimes when I am going through life and I'm like, I've got a decision to make, I'm kind of like, well, how do I know if God is leading me to this? How do I know if the Holy Spirit is leading me to do something? And, and look at this. Uh, look at uh, uh, John chapter 15, uh, verse 26. John 15, 26 says, When the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit bears witness about Jesus. John 16, 14, next chapter, says that he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. So here's, you want to know, how do I know if God is leading me to do something? How do I know if the Holy Spirit is prompting me to do this? Man, the Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit 
always continually will every time point to Jesus. It's been said that the Holy Spirit is kind of the shy member of the Trinity, right? The Holy Spirit isn't trying to draw attention to himself. He's not trying to build himself up. He's not trying to to say, hey, look at me, I'm so wonderful. The Holy Spirit is always going to point back to Jesus, kind of like a floodlight. Reflect the light off of him on to Jesus, continually, continually, continually. And so what I'm looking and saying, I've got a decision to make. I've got to figure this out. How do I know if God's leading me to do this? I'm going to come back to this idea. Because for me, I, I assume most of you are like me. Like I'm selfish by nature. I want what works best for me. I want what makes my life easier. I want what makes my life good and fun. And so when I find that decision in front of me, if I find myself it really pleases me, man, I'm going to have this thing to say, does that really glorify Jesus? I've got those decisions in front of me. Hey, which decision would glorify Jesus? I'm going to guess that's the Holy Spirit leading me because, again, it's not about me. It's not trying to make me great. It's not trying to, to glorify me. It's trying to glorify Jesus to bring glory to God, to make much of him. In fact, as you begin looking around, thinking about Christian leaders and churches, something that you, you need to learn to begin to, to listen to what people do and say. You want to know if somebody is spirit-filled, is led by the Spirit? Listen to what they do and what they say. Christian leaders, if they're a leader who is always talking about themselves, about their insight and their wisdom and, and how they have all this success and how they are the hero, you begin to listen through that and say, man, where's the Holy Spirit in that? Because the Holy Spirit is leading a person. It's not going to be about them and their glory. It's going to be about Jesus and his glory. Jesus is always the hero. And, and as a pastor of a church, man, I take this seriously. I take that seriously that my job is not to point you to me. My job is to point you to Jesus. In fact, there was a guy that uh, probably shouldn't have said, uh, started out anyways, I guess I'm saying it. There was a guy in our church, and he kept coming to me and saying, hey, pastor, hey, pastor, like, you keep telling us about this gospel thing, about Jesus and the cross. Can we get beyond that now? Can we get to, like, the deeper things of faith? Like, like, we're ready to move on past that. And I'm like, there is nothing deeper than the gospel. Like, that is the answer. That is what it's about, glory, glory, bringing glory to Jesus. I'm always going to point us back to Jesus. So pray for me. Pray for our leaders here at Restoration Church. Pray that we would be spirit-led. That our desire would be to, to bring glory to Jesus and not to ourselves. Pray for us. So, first thing the Holy Spirit does is he helps us. He ministers to us. He comforts us. He guides us. He, he assists us in life. Second thing the Holy Spirit does is he teaches us and reminds us of the truth. Back in John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. But he will, he will teach you all things. I don't think it says it's going to teach you new things. I think he says it's going to teach you all things. He's going to help us to have an understanding for the truth of Scripture. He's going to illuminate our minds to understand the truth of God's Word. In fact, there are some of us in here that that has been your story. 
Like you were in church, you were in church for a long time, you read the Bible, you had the verses uh, hundreds of times, and they're just words to you. You're like, yeah, I've, I've been there, I've done that. And then at some point, someday, man, everything seemed to change. Everything began to make sense. Things became clear. And you had this new understanding of what God was saying to you. The same words, but now Christ has, uh, Holy Spirit has opened your eyes. It illuminated you and gave you the ability to understand and to comprehend. Listen, if you have faith in God and faith in Jesus, do you realize that is a gift that has been given to you from the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that the natural person, which you and I, on our own wisdom, our own knowledge, we cannot accept or understand spiritual things. The Holy Spirit has to give us that insight and open up our minds to understand the things of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, that he teaches us all truth. In fact, that's my faith story. Like I grew up around religion and church and these things, and, and, and I had friends that would tell me, hey, you need to be saved. You need to respond to this gospel thing, and, 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 and they'd give me all these Bible verses. And, and you know what I found? I found I was really good at arguing with them. Like, hey, you want to throw some of that meat? Like, I'll come right back at you and I'll argue with you. And it was just, it, 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 it was something that I could just find myself, it didn't understand, I didn't quite grasp it. Until one day, all of a sudden, man, I think that's when the Holy Spirit opened up my eyes. And I began to understand, like, I need an assurance of where I stand with God. Like, I need not just to know who God is. I need a personal relationship with him. And that was the day that my eyes became open, and I began to understand, man, this is what the gospel is about. This is what God wants for my life. Not that I would uh, know who he is, but I would actually have a personal relationship with him. <coughs> That's where when we come to church, we open up our Bible, and one of the first things we should be doing is asking the Holy Spirit, God, would you give me understanding? Would you help me to understand? Would you open my eyes that I could understand the things that you're going to teach me today? That, God, you would move in my heart, that you move in my life. Not only does the Holy Spirit then teach us these things, he also reminds us of these things. Because haven't you noticed how sometimes we can be forgetful? I mean, like even from the beginning of the Bible, have you ever noticed how Christians are forgetful? Where, where God does something miraculous for us. God does something beautiful for us. And the very next day, we kind of forget that God did it in the past. And now we're looking at today saying, well, God, where are you? Well, what's up with this? Don't you care? Like, you were there yesterday. Where are you at now? It's a terrible cycle. It's a terrible cycle. And this is where, as we, we lean in and allow the Holy Spirit to be present in our lives, he begins to remind us of the truth. And so that when I have those days, when I have those days where it feels like I can't do anything right, when I have those days where my wife and I aren't getting along, when I have those days that my kids are going off the deep end, when I have those days that things at work are very difficult, man, and I get in the middle of that, and personally I'm like, man, this is terrible. It's like, God, do you even love me? And that's where when you have the Holy Spirit and you allow him in your life, he reminds you of the truth. He reminds you that Romans 8 says there is no condemnation for those who love Jesus. It reminds us of Romans 8, 38, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
That he reminds us of the truth. That the moment we begin to struggle, he reminds us, listen, this is the way that God feels about you. This is the truth of God's word. Regardless of your circumstance, this is true. There is no condemnation for you. That's where when circumstances get really hard and I'm going through life and I'm like, man, God, I don't see you right now. I'm going through this difficult thing and I feel all alone. Jesus, have you left me? And that's where the Holy Spirit begins to remind me of his word. that It says, uh, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Reminds me of his word that says, even when you pass through the deep waters, I am with you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not consume you because I am with you. I have to have the Holy Spirit reminding me these things. Listen, maybe, maybe for you, maybe like you have that perfect life and you don't have any difficulties. But for me, I do. For me, I need the Holy Spirit to remind me when I'm going through those, hey, here's how God feels about you. Listen, you're not alone. God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. You will get through this. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of these things. Now, here's, here's one of the things I've learned about how this works, though. Is the Holy Spirit, he can't bring to, my, bring to mind verses that you've never put in there in the first place. Right? Like, like, like you can't fire bullets that you've never loaded into the clip. This is why we've got to be people who, who open up the Word of God and, and read the Word of God and say, God, would you, would you help me give me understanding? That's why memory, memorizing verses is such a strong thing for us to do because when you begin to understand these things, the Holy Spirit uses that and brings that at just the right time that you've got to be reminded of the truth. So number one, the Holy Spirit helps us. He ministers to us. He guides us. He comforts us. Number two, the Holy Spirit teaches us and, and, and reminds us of the truth. Number three, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Convicts us of sin. Two chapters ahead, John chapter 16, a page or two in your Bible. John 16 verse 8 says, When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, the Holy Spirit will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit begins to convict us that things in our life are not the way they should be. Listen, there are some in here right now, this very moment, that you realize there's something going on in your life that should not be. That you feel this sense of, man, this is not the way I'm supposed to be living. There's this, this, this conviction of the Holy Spirit. Begin, well, 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 why do I feel like this? Like, like, Pastor hasn't even called me out on my sin. Like, why am I feeling so, so guilty over this? Because it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit is there, it begins to convict us of our sin and our need for, for, for Jesus. And here's probably my bigger concern. Here's my bigger concern. Because sometimes we'll walk in a church and we'll have that conviction. But my bigger concern is, why do some of us not feel conviction? My bigger concern is, why do we walk in a church and why can we acknowledge that our life probably is not the way that God would want it to be? Like, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all have an area, an attitude, a, 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 a feeling, a thought. We all have things that we know are, are an addiction that we know are not the way that God want us, would want us to live. Why can we walk into a room like this and not feel conviction? It might just be because we get really good at resisting the Holy Spirit. We get really good at resisting the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, there's a guy in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, called Stephen. And Stephen was the first martyr in the New Testament. He's going to get killed because of, his, because of his faith. But before those people killed him, 
Stephen gives a, a, he preaches a sermon to the people that are going to kill him. And this is what he said, Acts chapter 7. He says, you stiff-necked people. I have a hard time saying that one. I feel like I'm going to mess it up. He said, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your hearts and ears, you resist the Holy Spirit. You resist the Holy Spirit. You know what happens when you resist the Holy Spirit? Your heart begins to get hardened and hardened and hardened to to the point that you can't hear his voice. Think about the story in, in, in Exodus. Remember Moses, Charlton Heston? He goes up to the Pharaoh. And he's like, hey, let my people go. And Pharaoh resists. And it says his heart continued to grow harder and harder and harder to refuse to do the things that God would ask him to do. It's kind of like this. My wife, she's always wanting to fool around with me. Like, all the time. All she wants to do is fool around. All she wants to do is kiss me. We're driving it at a stoplight. She's like, come on, baby, kiss me. And I'm like, whoa, settle down, honey. Like, we go to the doctor's office, and she's like, Mwah. and I'm like, there's people around. She all the time, always, 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 just, just wants to kiss me and wants to, to, and I resist her for a while. I resist her for a while. I, I, I mean, I, I do, but eventually, eventually... I give in. I got to, like, minister to her needs, right? Because I'm a good husband. That's what a good husband does. He ministers to her needs, right? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> let's, just, let's just say this. <laughs> it's got really awkward. <laughs> let's just say that this is the way it was. My wife was always coming onto me and throwing herself onto me. And let's just say that I always resisted her. I always resisted her. At some point, she's going to stop trying. At some point, she's going to say, well, I'm tired of being rejected. Right? You've had this in your, in your relationships. You've tried to get your spouse to do something forever and ever and ever, and finally you're like, I'm just giving up. I'm not going to keep asking you about it because you're not going to do it. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to throw himself on you. If we resist him, listen, that voice becomes softer and softer and softer. And our voice and our heart becomes harder and harder and harder. If you resist long enough, your heart grows so hard that you won't recognize the promptings and the voice of God in your life. Listen, I always have this idea, like how do we not step into reading the Bible and step into church and not have some sort of conviction. Listen, if you are in here today and you're like, man, I know I've got some areas in my life and I just don't feel that conviction. It might just be that you have been resisting the Holy Spirit long enough. And maybe today you need to pray and say, God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? God, would you break my heart for the sin that I've held on to, that I've been unwilling to let go of? But God, I would hear your voice afresh and anew today? Because listen, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is not a bad thing. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is not a bad thing. You know why? Because when the Holy Spirit convicts you, he doesn't just leave you there. He doesn't leave you in the fact that we're all broken people and we can't get things right. The Holy Spirit doesn't just tell you how bad you are. He also points us to the truth. In fact, Romans 6, or, uh, John 16, 13, a couple verses later, First, first, Holy Spirit, first, Jesus says that when he comes, he'll convict the world about sin. A couple of verses later, 
John 16, 13, he says, when the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. That not only does the Holy Spirit convict us of sin, but he also guides us to the remedy for our sin. The fourth thing the Holy Spirit does is he leads us and he guides us back to the truth. And what is the truth? Truth is the word of God. Your word is truth. And you know the Bible, you know the, the, the big idea of the Bible? The Bible is, is all these books made up into one. It is one big story. One giant story from all the way from the beginning in, in the book of Genesis, all the way to the end in the book of Revelation. There is one story. And that is about salvation through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. That is the one consistent story throughout the entire Bible, always pointing to our need for Jesus. That because of our sin, that we've been separated from God. We've been separated from God because of our sin. But God loved us so much. God loved us so much. He didn't leave us in his sin, in our sin. But he sent Jesus to live a sinless life. To to, to hang on that cross, to die in our place, and to rise again three days later so that our sins could be forgiven so that we could be adopted into the family of God, so that we could know God personally, so we could be filled with the Holy Spirit, so we could live lives that that honor and please and glorify Jesus and who God is, that we could do this because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And this is a consistent story throughout the entire Bible, this idea of God's redemption for us. And when the Holy Spirit convicts us, it doesn't leave us there. It always is going to point us back to the truth. That there is grace, and there is forgiveness, and there is redemption through Jesus. In fact, there's times, again, the conviction I feel. There's times when I feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit that leaves me feeling helpless. Because we have an enemy. We have a spiritual enemy. Satan. And at least, at least this is how Satan accuses me. That when I find myself in that same sin again, that I find Satan begins to fill my mind with, oh man, you did it again. Man, I thought you were done with that, Kevin. I thought you were better than that. Now you did it again. Man, you're such a fool. How could you do it again? Can't you get yourself cleaned up? There's no way that God can forgive you because you've gone and done this again. Right? Like, Kevin, I thought you had faith in God. I thought you had faith in Jesus. And there's no way that that Jesus could love you right now because you've gone and done it again. And this is where the spirit of truth begins to guide me back to the truth. The Holy Spirit begins to remind me of these things like 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 says that, that if we sin, that we have an advocate with the Father in Jesus. You know what that means? That means that, that when I sin... Let's not pretend I don't. When I sin, that I have an advocate who acts like a lawyer at God the Father. That Jesus is there on my behalf, and he's representing my case to Jesus, to to God. And let me, I used to think that he was up there saying, God, God, would you give Kevin another chance? God, would you give him just a little bit uh, 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 of leniency here? Where I find myself where I'm like, man, I did it again. And I find, picture Jesus advocating for me to God. And I kind of picture Jesus saying, Kevin, 
you did it again. I'm not going to go back to God about this. I've gone too many times. Like, you're on your own this time. Listen, this is where the Holy Spirit begins to guide us into truth. And the truth is that Jesus is not advocating on our behalf for leniency. He's advocating on our behalf for justice. That Jesus is up there before God on our behalf saying, Listen, Father, I paid the debt for every one of Kevin's sins. I've paid the debt for every one of those. It would be unjust for you to be angry at Kevin because I've absorbed that full punishment. That God, that Jesus isn't there asking for for leniency. He's asking for justice. Listen, the debt's been paid. He's forgiven now. That, 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 That he's up there saying, Father, Father, I have given my righteousness to Kevin. Like, I've taken his sin, and I've given him my righteousness. And so now, God, like, the just thing for you to do is to give to him the, the, the blessings and the rewards that are coming to me. That this is what the, Jesus is doing as he advocates on our behalf. Not asking for leniency. Not asking for a second chance. But saying, hey, Father, I've paid for this guy in full. You can't hold this against him any longer. Listen, do you know that kind of love from God? Do you know that kind of grace and redemption and freedom? This unconditional love, this grace, this forgiveness, this redemption. Not because we're worthy. Not because we got it all figured out. Not because we try our very best because of what Jesus has done for us. The Holy Spirit reminds us of that. So that when we feel that conviction of sin, man, it points us to the truth that our debt has been paid in full. That we are redeemed and we have a right relationship with God, not because we're so great, not because we live the good life, not because we tried really hard, but because of what Jesus has done for us, that we can be made right with him. Listen, this morning, the Holy Spirit is present in this room. He's here to comfort you. Some of us, we need that. We just need to say, God, I need you. I need to feel your presence. I need to be reminded I'm not alone. Some of you, man, the Holy Spirit is here to guide you. You've got decisions, you've got things, you just need direction. His presence is here for you. Some of us, we need to have our eyes open to the truth. We've tried religion. We've tried these things. And we need to say, God, would you open my eyes to understand who you are, to understand that I can have a relationship, a personal relationship with you. Holy Spirit is present in this room. Some of us, we need to repent over our sin. We need to stop resisting and say, I'm going to put this off. It's not that big of a deal. We need to say, God, I am sorry that I have violated what you've called me to, how you've called me to live. And ultimately, every one of us, Holy Spirit is in this room. And he wants us to point us back to the truth. Point us back to the truth of what he has done for us. That he loves us so much, that he's given so much so he can have a relationship with us. The question is this morning, will you respond? Will you respond to the Holy Spirit?
Thank you.